It's wonderful to see everyone here this morning. It's certainly uh, uh, humbling always but before you get up before the congregation and, and teach God's Word. It's a huge responsibility, something I certainly take very seriously, something I'm certainly very prayerful for. I appreciate uh, very much the prayer on my behalf this morning. It's always my prayer uh, that the things that we'll uh, be discussing are the truth and that they'll be edifying and certainly something that we can apply to, our le- to ourselves that I can apply to myself. <clears throat> Wherefores and therefores. You know, as we study God's Word, as we study the teachings of Christ, a pattern, you know, that I've noticed is many times as Christ was teaching, He would give us some information. He would give out this, this general information that we need about uh, God's love, uh, about different things, information that's good for us that we need to know. And then he would follow that information up with, because of this, this is what you should do. Therefore, because we've just discussed these things and I've instructed you in these things, wherefore, do this. Or therefore, don't do this. And as we get into the other books of the New Testament, the Paul, his, his writings to the his different letters to the different congregations, the other um, authors of the New Testament, we see them following that same sort of pattern. is giving us information and then giving us these wherefores and therefores. This is what you should do with this information that you're given. We'll begin in 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning in verse 22. Seeing ye have purified your souls and and obeying the truth through the Spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, and the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. And this is the word which by the gospel is preached unto you. So we're taught here that the word lives in us. The word should live in us. The Word should be present in our lives and should be shown in our lives. And then it compares two different things. The flesh. Our bodies are not going to last. Our bodies get old and weak and frail and die. Those that are not, have not passed before Jesus comes back, we'll meet Him in the air. But these bodies, these physical bodies that we know and spend a lifetime trying to take care of will not last. All the glory of man, the things that he's built, the things that he's done are not going to last. But here's what does last. The Word of God. So the teaching is, wherefore, wherefore, because of this, because you know the Word of God endures forever, because you know the flesh and all the things of man does not, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Wherefore and therefore are words that mean the same thing. They mean accordingly or consequently. These things being so, because of what was just said, Wherefore means application. When we hear the teachings in the Bible, when we hear the teachings of, from Christ or from other writers of the New Testament, 
We need to apply those things. And these wherefores and those therefores tells us, shows us, this is how do you apply these things that we've just talked about, these teachings that you've been given. We need to lay aside all malice. You know, malice is the opposite of love. We need to lay aside guile. Guile is the very opposite of sincerity. We need to lay aside all envy, looking at other people, wanting worldly things, wanting the things that other, have, other people have, wanting the lives that other people have, being content with what we have and being thankful for what we have. We need to lay aside hypocrisies. We need to be children of God and we need to live it, not say it or act like it sometimes, but then when we're out in the world, just live in any way that we want to. We need to lay aside evil speakings. Instead of that, as newborn baby, babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. We need to desire different things. We need to desire the Word of God and we need to desire to grow and mature as a Christian. In Mark the seventh, Matthew, the seventh chapter, beginning in verse 24, familiar passage with us. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken unto him a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that hears these sayings of mine and doeth them not will liken to him a foolish man that's built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat up on that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. You know, we can go through our lives and not apply God's Word. We can come to all the services and hear it. We can hear it taught. We can go home. We can pick up our Bibles and read it. But we've got to do more than that. We've got to apply the things that we learn. Or like this foolish man, we've got no foundation. Spiritually, our lives are just going to be on a wreck. Just as the example is given to us. We need to be wise with the hearing of God's Word and put those things to work. In James, the first chapter, beginning in verse 22, it says, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like unto a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner, he, what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into that perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed." This is a very popular passage. We've heard it many, many times. I've used this example in many, many of the sermons that I've preached. But it's that, that uh, teaching of looking into the mirror and seeing what we see and making changes. You know, I've got a process that I go through every morning, and I do it right there in front of that mirror. Shaving. If we've got hair that's matted, try to get that straightened up. Brush my teeth. Get the sleep out of my eyes. I see that because I know the way that I just get up in the morning and look in that mirror. That's not the way that I want to present myself. That's not the way that I want people to see me. But you know what? Sometimes I don't do it. Sometimes I go to that mirror and I don't make a single change. You know when that is? It's probably a Saturday. Sammy and Lindy are probably gone to Lubbock or something. I'm not planning to see a single person that day, planning to go out in the yard and work, and I don't care. 
it don't matter. I don't think I'm going to get caught. I don't think I'm going to get seen. But you know, we do that spiritually. We look into that mirror. We look into God's Word. We see it. We see what needs to be changed. But for whatever reason, we don't care. We decide it don't matter. I'm not going to get caught. Nobody's going to see me. And we don't make any change. We read God's Word. We hear God's Word. But when it comes to the wherefores and the wherefores, we don't do it. We need to be doers of God's Word, not just hearers. We need that foundation. Otherwise, spiritually, our lives will be a wreck. First John, the second chapter, beginning in verse 3, says, And hereby we do know that we know Him, if we keep His commandments. He that saith, I know Him, and keepeth not His commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Says not just the people that know what he says. That's not how we know him. Not just by knowing what Christ has said. It's by obeying his commandments. That's how we know him. Verse 5 But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know that we are in him. Here's how we know. He that saith he abideth in him ought himself also to walk even as He walked. It takes action in our lives. It takes purpose, purposeful living. I'm going to strive every day to live like Christ. I'm going to obey His commandments. And by doing that, we know Him. In Ephesians, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 21, it says, If so be that ye have heard Him and have been taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off concerning the former conversation the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on a new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We've heard him. We've been taught by Christ. We know what's in God's Word. We need to put off the former things, when you've put off the way we were, be who we need to be by renewing our mind. Getting rid of that old, putting on the new, and putting it to action. Verse 25 says, Wherefore, because of this, put away lying. And instead of lying, we need to speak every man truth with his neighbor. This passage goes on and tells us, teaches us, don't be angry and sin. Don't give place to the devil. Don't steal. Instead of steal, get a job, work, so that you can also help provide and help other people that need it. Don't speak corruption. Instead, speak things that are edifying. Speak things that build people up. Then in verse 31, it says, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And instead of those things, and be kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, opposite of malice, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. 
We have to be renewed in the spirit of our mind, as we saw in verse 23. We need to be different. We're going to be different. We're going to stand out in the world by applying God's Word because the world does not apply God's Word. It's not present in their lives, but there's a difference. You know, think of the Good Samaritan and what he did. Here are these two supposedly religious people, this priest and this Levite, see a man beaten, stripped of his clothes, robbed, half dead, pass on the other side. And here's the Samaritan. Sees a need, knows the action he could take, he should take, applies what he knows to his life, and goes to that poor man that was beaten and robbed and helps him. Application. Romans, the 12th chapter, beginning in verse 9. says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Here's the teaching. God says, I'll, I'll take care of the vengeance. You don't avenge yourselves. Therefore, this is what you need to do. If thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. And in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire in his head, on his head. Therefore, we need to be good to everybody. Certainly not just our enemies. If we should be good to our enemies, we should be good to everybody. Follow that example of application that we see from that good Samaritan. Scripture is very, very important. All of it, and there's many different uses for the Scripture. Many different applications to our lives. 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 16, says, All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. It's profitable for all purposes of the Christian life. What does this profitable mean? Profitable means useful, helpful, serviceable, advantageous. It's in our best interest. It's good for us, good for everybody around us. It's profitable for us in all things. It's profitable for doctrine. Doctrine means teaching, general teachings, the source of truth, the standard, God's wisdom, everything concerning our spiritual lives, dealing in this life, instructions for us. It's profitable for reproof. Reproof means to convince us of sin, to expose sin in our lives and convince us that we are wrong. Scripture is profitable for correction. Getting past just exposing sin, getting past just knowing that we have sin in our lives, but it tells us how to get rid of that. It teaches us how to get rid of it, how to get right with God and to change. Change from being what we were to what we should be. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Once we're back, once we're beginning to grow, we need to take this instruction in righteousness and grow. Make, make progress. Continue to become a more mature Christian by applying God's Word. And it doesn't matter where you are in your stage of spiritual life, whether you're a babe in Christ, whether you're an older, more mature Christian, 
The Scripture is useful for us. It's useful for our lives. There's application all through life of the Scripture. What I'd like to do this morning is I'd like to take these four areas. It was a pretty daunting task to try to find all the wherefores and the the therefores and apply those things because they're all through Scripture. What I've tried to do is take a few examples of the wherefores and the therefores that we find and apply them to these four areas in our life. We'll begin with doctrine. Again, doctrine is teaching. It just means teaching. In uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter, and, and a couple, three chapters uh, there in that area, we find Christ teaching his Sermon on the Mount. Christ was teaching doctrine. In the seventh chapter, at the, towards the end of that uh, book, it says the people were astonished at his doctrine because he taught them with somebody, as somebody with authority. So Christ, as he was teaching that Sermon of the Mount, he was teaching doctrine. He's giving, him, giving them these teachings. In the sixth chapter, beginning in verse 24, it says, No man can serve two masters, for he will, he will hate the one and love the other, or he, he will hold to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Something we just can't do. We can't serve two masters. Because of that, therefore... I say unto you, take no thought for your life, for what ye shall eat and what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? He's fixing to give us two more examples of things that we shouldn't take thought of, things that we shouldn't worry, things that I need to apply to my life, because sometimes I get to worrying about things that I shouldn't. I need to apply the Scriptures. I need to apply these therefores. He goes on in verse 30. He says, Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not more clothe you? He's previously talked about the birds and how He takes care of the birds. Of course He's going to take care of us. Christ died for us. Isn't He going to clothe us? He takes care of the fields. Therefore, take no thought. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? Wherewithal will we be clothed? Take no thought. Verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, take no thought for the morrow. For the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself, sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Because, I'm, because you can't serve God and mammon, because I'm going to take care of the birds, I'm certainly going to take care of you. Because you need to seek first the kingdom, therefore don't worry about tomorrow. Don't worry about these things because of these things that I've just taught you. In Matthew the 6th chapter, beginning in verse 1, Christ said, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Again, part of Christ's Sermon on the Mount is He taught them about giving. He teaches teaches us about giving. How we should give alms. How we should um, use benevolence. You know, there's two two reasons. two, Two ways that we can go about or reasons to be involved in benevolence and giving. 
Number one is good and positive reasons. We love God and we love other people. We want to please God. We want to follow His commandments. We see people in need. We know they need help. We give. We give to the church so that those things can be given to other people. All for the right reasons. Another reason we give is we want to make sure other people know about it. Because we want glory. And if we do that, we have no reward. Therefore, Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest them, let not thy left hand know what the right hand doeth, that thine alms may be done in secret, and thy Father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. We'll continue to see this pattern of Christ give us these instructions, and this is how it affects our lives. You know, sometimes in parenting, and it's not the best parenting, but it's just because I said. And though our kids need to learn authority, and all of us need to learn authority, and yes, we do need to do it because I said. But you know, much better parenting, much better teaching, is to help our children understand why this is important and why we want you to do this. Therefore, do this for me. Matthew, the 28th chapter. Jesus came and spoke unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. All power. Christ humbled himself. He became a servant. He was humiliated. He was tortured. He was crucified. And he became all-powerful. King, ruler, judge, We need to make sure we do what he says, what he asks of us to do. Because I want to be where he is someday. And I know you do too. And we need to have the desire to take as many of, of, many of other people as we can with us. Therefore, verse 19, Go and teach all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. There's a reason we need to do this. There's a reason we need to share the gospel, because Christ is all-powerful. And He's done this for us. And He's asked us to do this. And we love other people. All Scripture is profitable for reproof. Reproof is to convince of sin, expose sin in our life, convince us that we are wrong. In Ephesians, the fifth chapter, verses 3 through 5, says, But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be once named among you as becometh saints, neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor jesting, which are not convenient, but rather giving of thanks. For this ye know, that no whoremonger, nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater hath any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. We know this. 
We know these are sinful things. We know these are things that shouldn't be in our life. We know that if these drive our life, we have no inheritance. We have no hope of eternal life. We know these things. We know they're wrong. We know they're sin. But sometimes it just don't matter. Sometimes we just don't care. Sometimes we just don't think we're going to be seen. And sometimes we just choose not to apply it. I choose not to apply it. I look in that mirror, but I don't make any change. And you know what we do? We listen to the world. We watch too much television. We listen to too much things we shouldn't listen to. And we listen to the world. The world is deceiving. Verse 6. Let no man deceive you with vain words. For because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Be not ye therefore partakers with them. We cannot join into the world and bind that all this stuff is okay. We need to stand up for it. We need to know what sin is. We need to let it. We need to let God's word reprove us. Show us what's wrong. Verse 8 describes that light. It says, For you were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. How do we walk as children of light? Verse 9, For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth. We apply those fruits of the Spirit to our lives. Goodness, faith, mercy. All those different fruits of the Spirit we apply to our lives and they're seen. Not because we want to bring glory to ourselves. Because Christ died for us. He's asked us to do this. Proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Showing the world what's acceptable. Verse 11. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather reprove them. Reprove them. For it is a shame even to speak of those things which are done of them in secret. But all things that are reproved are made manifest by the light, for whatsoever doth make manifest is light. Unfruitful works need to be reproved. They need to be reproved in our own lives. They need to be reproved in those that are around us. And God's Word will do that. When we live it out in our lives, it'll be exposed. The world will see that we're different. We're Christians and we live differently than other people. And sin will be exposed. Here it comes. Wherefore, awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. If sin is reproved, we need to wake up. If we see sin in our life, we need to wake up. We need to quit making the excuses that I so often make. And we need to see that change needs to take place in our life. See the sin that's in our life and make change. Which leads us to the next. All Scripture is profitable for correction. Correction, it's moving past just exposing sin. 
It tells us how to get right with God, how to change from what we were to what we should be. In Acts, the third chapter, Acts, the second chapter, the day of Pentecost has came. The apostles have been given power. They have these spiritual gifts. In chapter 3, Peter applies those spiritual gifts and he heals a lame man. Well, you can imagine a man that's never walked before. Peter heals him. He's instant celebrity. People are flocking around him. People are wanting to give him the glory. Peter says, no. I don't have any power except the power that comes from Christ. He denies that glory. And then he begins preaching Christ. And he tells those Jews... You delivered him. And you denied him. Pilate wanted to let him go and you denied him and instead you set free a murderer. And you denied Christ. You killed him. Now they understand this was the Messiah. This is the Son of God. What should they do? What should we do? Verse 19 says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. There needs to be a change in those lives of those Jews then. There needs to be a change in our lives today. Change from our past lifestyle and be different. Is there a, different, is there a difference in the way we were now? than where we were 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Are we growing? Is there a difference in us and just anybody out on the street? Has there been repentance in our life? Have we reproved sin and made correction? We need to do that. 1 Corinthians, the 6th chapter, beginning in verse 13. It says, Meats for the belly and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise us up by His own power. Know ye not that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. So here's some teaching. Here's some things we know. We're well aware fornication is a sin. Verse 18 says, Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body, but he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own? Here it comes. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Past just not committing fornication, let's serve God with our body, with all of our being, the best that we can. Let's bring glory to Him. Let's glorify Him with our body. Certainly not use our body to be involved in sin. As was mentioned in the Scripture earlier, sins that just we don't even need to be talked about, they're so ugly. 
We've got to repent of these things. Make corrections in our life. In Hebrews, the 11th chapter, a chapter we call the roll call of faith, goes through there and talks about all those heroes of faith. And what we find from those heroes of faith is they applied God's Word. God told them something, they did it. By faith, Noah moved with fear and prepared an ark. By faith, they all did something because God commanded them to. Verse 11, or chapter 12, talks about these heroes and how we need to follow them. It says, wherefore? We've just talked about all these heroes of faith. Wherefore, seeing we also accomplished about with so great a cloud of witnesses, all those before, all those examples in chapter 11, and all those Christians that have gone on before, martyred, so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Whatever it is, whatever sin is holding us back, we need to repent of that sin. We need to lay it aside and run. Run. Let's do this. We struggle with sin. Let's quit struggling. It keeps us from being what we need to be. We all struggle from time to time. And when I'm struggling with sin, I'm not doing what I need to do. I'm not being what I need to be. Because I can't. It's weighing me down. I can't be spiritually what I need to be if I'm struggling with sin. Lay it aside, whatever it is. Get help. Go to the elders. Go to other people that you can trust. Let's do what we can to get rid of the sin. Repent of those things. And let's live by faith. Let's do this. Finally, all Scripture is profitable for instruction in righteousness. Once we've repented, we're right with God. Following the instructions and in righteousness that we find in Scriptures helps us to stay there. It's how we grow. It's how we become more spiritually mature. In 1 Peter, the first chapter, beginning in verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. There's going to be a resurrection. And we can have that wonderful inheritance that's reserved in heaven for us. The chapter goes on to talk about our faith being tried. And it will be tried in this life. But it also talks about the end of that faithful life is salvation. Here it comes. Verse 13, Wherefore, because we know that, because we know of that inheritance, because we have that hope, 
because we've lived that faithful life and we're intending to live that faithful life and we're driven to do that. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Gird up the loins of your mind. Now when I think about that, you know, I've researched that a little bit, and it seems to be that these people had long flowing garments, and when they were setting out to travel, they needed to tighten them down so they didn't hinder. You know, it's kind of hard for me to really think about that. But you know, back in the day, played a little football. But you know, before we went out there, put on our helmet, our shoulder pads. But you know what else we did? We put on that chin strap. Didn't tear it off. We tightened it down. Those shoulder pads weren't just loosey-goosey flopping around. We tightened them things down. And then we'd slap each other around and get fired up and we're ready to go. We need to tighten down. We need to tighten down our lives. Verse 14, As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts and your ignorance. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Wherefore, we need to be diligent. We need to keep our minds. Sawyer gave us an excellent lesson Wednesday night about keeping our minds. A state of preparedness. We need to be separated from the world. Our conversation, which is our manner of life, the way we live, needs to be different. Not only submit to God's commands, but strive to imitate His holiness. That's a tall, tall order. But that's what we need to strive to do. Our obedience to the gospel and the precious blood of Christ makes us holy. In 2 Peter, the third chapter, beginning in verse 10, it says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also, and the works that are therein, shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we according to this promise look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. We know that the Lord is going to return. We know that this earth and everything that we understand is just going to be melt. The elements are going to melt with fervent heat. That horn's going to blow. It's going to be the end of time. Christ is going to return. We look for that new heaven and a new earth where there's only righteousness. Here it comes. Wherefore? Wherefore, beloved, seeing that you look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of Him in peace without spot and blameless. When that horn blows, when everything is dissolved, when Christ returns, we are going to be found. We're going to be found one way or another. Will we be found in peace? Or will we be found in variance with Christ? In conflict with Christ? Not at peace with Him? 
When we're found, will we be found without spot? Or will we be found, found full of spots? Sin dominating our lives, not reproved, not corrected. Will we be found blameless? Or will we be found full of blame? Guilty with no Savior. We must apply God's Word to our life. We must apply the wherefores and the therefores that we have in teaching and allow it into our lives. It's not enough just to hear God's Word like the foolish man. It's not enough just to come to church and hear it read to us, hear it taught. We can't look into it and then not care or think it doesn't matter or think nobody's going to see us. Nothing's going to be exposed. God's Word needs to change us. We need to be transformed with a new mind, not conformed to the world. The lesson is yours this morning. There may be those that have never obeyed the gospel. If you've been taught, we would certainly encourage you to do that this morning. There may be those who have obeyed the gospel, but you've been convinced of sin in your life. Changes that you need to make, and you'd like help with that. You'd like the prayers of the church. If so, we'd ask you to come forward as we stand and sing.